from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see mckinneycompetitions.com. But I firmly believe that my belief in mindfulness and Buddhism definitely helped me. I took my Buddha with me to the hospital and definitely helped me through to come to terms with this. Halfway down a drink. That day, and I was playing locally, I was playing in Bellini's and I know there and open in 2016. I sat the drink down on the table halfway through and I haven't drunk since. This is the psychological as well as the sporting um, journey now, which yeah. began in 2019. Yeah. So forget everything that happened before 2019 and my life started again in 2019. He's winning league singles and he's winning. Why is he winning? That man should be dead. No, he shouldn't be dead. If you think I should be dead, that's okay. And it's like players come up to me way back in the, in the 90s and saying, uh, and their mates used to come to me at the back in the drinking days and, they, and you'd be in the pub after the game, the few maybe beers, taking too many, and say, oh, so and so's a far better dark player than you. And I'd say, right, that's okay. Nobody is a far better dark player. You want to see him last night. He was brilliant. He hit this and he hit that and he hit that. I said, that's okay. But when I was standing in Germany, I was looking around and I said, where is this guy that's hitting everything in Uri? Oh. I don't see him. You know, <laughs> I go to the World Masters. Well, there's a guy in Uri. Apparently, two guys or ten guys in Uri better than I. But where are they? That was the voice of world-class dark player Martin Carvel, who has made a spectacular return to the winner's podium in the dart scene um, just three years after he was on a life support machine during major cancer surgery. This is your host Elaine Ingram and today Martin tells us all about his Buddhist beliefs and his mindful approach to his recovery and he tells us how we can all benefit if we just change the way we think and have a more mindful approach to life. Martin also tells us all about his um, brilliant darts career um, including the need for more sponsorship. I was playing darts at top level and then I joined the PDC, I played in the BDO tour, the WDF tour, and I went to the PDC professional tour. And when was this? This back in 20, I stopped playing in the early noughties because the boys were born uh, young and at work. And then I came back and about 2010, you know, decided to go on the, the world circuit. And I was doing very, very well, very well. Uh, you know, I, I qualified for major competitions like the World Masters and I did win the German Open and the Dutch Open and, you know, I won an awful lot of competitions locally, a lot of competitions in Ireland and, and uh, you know, suddenly I became friends with world, ma- world champions and, you know, they were speaking to me on a regular basis and first name terms all the time I'm still, and their numbers are still on the phone. And like who? Like, um, uh, well, I played darts for Phil Taylor and I played Phil darts. Phil Taylor, what, yeah, Bristol? Yeah. No, I played darts for Bristol many, many moons ago. Yeah. Before that stage, the eighties, I played darts for Bristol. Um, and I actually was very friendly with him. We used to meet up in the Isle of Man, open every year myself and Eric. And uh, um, let's just say we used to get 
very drunk on them well, days. Well, those were the days when you those used to drink. Those were the days. Do they not drink in darts anymore? See, but things, darts has changed. This, this is a whole psychological thing. Darts used to be a social event where now... Like snooker. Yeah. But if you're playing darts now at top end darts, then it's it's about winning and it's about doing your best. Yeah. But there's a big difference in winning and doing your best. And yeah. people can't identify between winning and doing your best. It's only when you let go. Like I have let go of, uh, since I've battling this illness, I have said, well, I'm just going to play darts for myself now, keep a low profile and do everything. And since I started doing that, everybody's phoning up and asking me questions and people are phoning me up and asking me for interviews. Right. Yet I'm the opposite. When I craved interviews and craved... Nobody came near you. Nobody came near me. <laughs> but now, but that's the way psychology works. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can be too much in the... In the but I was doing very well. And this is the... Uh, I was doing very well in darts. And I decided to stop drinking alcohol. Because I always have an ambition. And I don't let... I, I want to clear hurdles that maybe other people don't want to clear. People used to always say to me, uh, you know... But I grew up in a society where alcohol and darts went hand in hand. Yeah. So in, in the early teens, I had decided... I just you know, there's too much money been spent on alcohol here and I'm travelling the world and a friend of mine said to me, do you know, if you didn't drink, you could do far more of the tour. Well, that's the, do you think people, you know, obviously, when you look at even in snooker, when you look at the likes of Alex Higgins yeah. and things like that, I mean, how much better could he have been? Absolutely. So in 2015, um, well, I was coaching a young lad from... The Republic of Ireland at that time and I've coached a lot of young lads and you know some of them went on to win major titles and uh, Joanne Cregan who's a, in the medical background is, is his mother and she said to me I had went to I think it was some the Northern Ireland Open and I had done quite well I got down to the last 16 and she turned around to me and she says do you know I think you too much think today I think you would have won this tournament if you hadn't drunk so much and I've been trying to go off the drink and, and I come home and I say to myself, Do you know people think I can't throw darts for no drink? And then Do I you say, think it becomes now this is the psychological end of it. Do you yeah. think it becomes a crutch yeah. in that way? Like, yeah. Well then you see when you drink, you don't know when you've too much drink, you don't know when if you play great today with very little drink, you'll say, Well, I don't need much drink and then the next day you go out and you take the same amount of drink, which is very little, and you don't play well, you say, Oh, we'll need more drink. So there's a line. Because you think the drink yeah. loosens up your arm a bit. You think. But that's a psychological thing yeah. again. So I went off the drink. And it, all my friends say is, you're mad. Mad, 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 mad. You'll never do anything without a couple of pints to relax your mind and all that. And I went off the drink in 2016. Because I hadn't been really feeling well. I know most of me, my illness was probably working on me then. Yeah. But I went off it. And by 2018... Did I, you go off it completely or did you just go off it? No, stopped. Completely, not, this is, not, yeah, okay. Completely, suddenly, halfway down a drink that day, and I was playing, luckily I was playing in Bellini's in the Northern Ireland Open in 2016, I sat the drink down on the table halfway through it, and I haven't drunk since. God, and that nice. was on the 16th of November 2016. And it was abrupt, but... Did you win the tournament? No, that's to say I lost in the last 16 of that tournament, okay. and uh, Joanne had said to me, yeah, I think... You had too much to drink. And I says, yeah, I probably had. Oh, we're on that term. And I says, I'm going to be nervous now until this, till I get over this obstacle. But I, I'm a type of guy that if an obstacle in front of me, 
I'm going to jump it. Mm. You're going to so eat, yeah. I said, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm going to prove that I can do it. So by 2018, I had I had broke the, the system of needing alcohol to play a good dance. Now, it was a rocky road. And I decided, now I can go back on the full European tour. And I went to the Belgium Open, and I went to the German Open, and I actually done quite well in the both of them. And I went to the Czech Open. And at the Czech Open, my son was with me, and I couldn't eat properly. And, and I went to the doctor and came home, and then I was diagnosed with esophageal tumour. And uh, things got much worse than that. But... And I sort of knew they were going to get worse than that. See, there's me there. Well, that's 2020. And that's me in the life support machine in God. 2019. And that's me in 2020. So you were on death's door. Yeah, I was on death's door. There's the front. Wow. That's the operation. And then they opened me down the back because I got my Gosh. lungs collapsed as well. Now, that's me in life support machine as well. What but, were they giving you? Your chances must have been really slim at that point. Yeah, they were slim, but we... You see, this is where the story begins. This is about where I am now. I ain't telling you how I got to here now. So, in twenty eighteen, th- things were going well in the dark front. So yeah. then, I was told I had a massive tumor in my esophagus, and it was too far gone. So I lost my esophagus, all of it, from here to into there. God. So not indeed three, and I lost my stomach as well. But they left a little bit of stomach, but they had to remove the stomach and put it to me right shoulder. Okay. And sewed it onto me throat so when I eat now it goes over here but I can only eat like a kid and then they slice it down and sort it on my bowel but when they went to my bowel they found another tumour a cancer tumour in my bowel as well now they didn't explain this to me for three months after the operation because I was in such a low condition they didn't think you know it was a good idea yeah we'll wait and we'll see so and they had had to stop the operation in the middle and decide why they were going to take that tumour out there and then or wait for six months and take it out but they said I wouldn't have made it another major operation I wouldn't yeah. have made it so they they had collapsed my lungs and took my bit of stomach left up behind my heart and put it here it's incredible that they can do all that absolutely well five years ago they couldn't have did it yeah. but the main thing was I was a big hiker and I was a non-smoker and now a non-drinker so you were fit and healthy so I was fit and healthy and the doctor the consultant said to me you've ticked all the boxes not everyone I can do this on. This is the biggest operation. And the only part of your body says we'd hardly be touching will be your heart. Where was this? What hospital? City was Hospital in Belfast. And they were they were treat they were good, yeah. Yeah. But oh fantastic. Yeah. And when I come home I was fed through a tube for three months. So Patricia, Gavin and Kieran, who are my uh, two sons and Patricia's my wife, they sort of become doctors and nurses for three months. But when I went in, just before I went into hospital, and this is the psychological approach, and I am a Buddhist. Have you always been a Buddhist? Uh, no, for probably, I've followed mindfulness for probably 20 years, and in the last 10 to 12 years, I've followed Buddhism closely. Uh, I'm actually going over to Scotland now in August to take refuge, seek refuge in Buddhism. It doesn't mean I'll change into a monk or anything. I know, just it's, it's kind of walking around and flowing the same But I firmly believe that my belief in mindfulness and Buddhism definitely helped me, I took my Buddha with me to the hospital and it definitely helped me through 
to come to terms with illness. Is it is is the ethos of that to like be be in the moment and um, yeah, you live in the now. Yeah, there is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. People, people are forgetting this. You know, they I can say oh well I'll see you next week. You don't know. Next week will only come in the present time. But you need to plan things for the future. You need to plan things for the future. But you also need to live in the now. The only time you can live is now. You know, so my diagnosis. So obviously this hit us hard here at home. You know. Yeah. And because things were so bad, and they were actually worse than we actually thought they were. Uh, we had to have the re. I had to have the realization that I may not come through this. So. But this is where my whole system of working towards where I am now revolves around two words, belief and fear. Right. You have to have belief and you must not fear anything. If you fear anything, even in sport, in darts, in football, in, in, in soccer, you know, if you fear anything, then you've an uphill battle. And it's a pointless emotion. Pointless because, emotion, yeah. Because, you know, it's it's pointless. Yeah. Because you can't do anything about exactly. it anyway. No, so. it's the same as um, I worked, when I was diagnosed, f- fully diagnosed in January 2019. And I was taken into hospital on the 23rd of April, which was an Easter Tuesday. And I was still working on the Friday before and people would say to me, why are you here? Why, why are you not off? And I said, why would it be off? I'm enjoying my life. But you've been diagnosed with this and that there and things are going Say, but I, I'm living As long life. as you can actually I'm living today. It. And deep down, I knew I may not make it. But that's... It's a self-realisation that you must have. But uh, it must be very difficult. I know it, you it say, like, you can't Well, fear. I had to make my will and I had to prepare the house for a week. Thinking that I may not come back. I may So there must have been some fear deep down inside you, but you just wouldn't let it surface. Yes, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of death. Are you not? No. See, I, I I find that really hard. No, I'm, I'm not afraid of death. At have all. you never been afraid of death, or has this made you? No, I know. Well, no, no, no. This was strong before this happened. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when I was taken down to theatre, uh, the uh, anaesthetist was chatting with me but I was joking with the nurses just before we went in the theatre I was joking and joking and the anaesthetist was saying something and I was speaking to him about shamanism have you ever heard of shamanism yeah and I was speaking to him about shamanism and he says have you ever tried uh, ayahuasca and I said I don't know what that is now it's a hallucinatic um, oh right plant you would get the, we used to take it away out in, in uh, foreign places it's a plant where it gives you yeah hallucinations or it's like magic mushrooms or something like that yeah <laughs> and i says no but you're going to give me some now in a moment <laughs> and he started laughing his head off but as he said that i said to myself well he had the needle ready to inject me or ready to put it into the the tube i says this could be my last speech yeah and within seconds i was out but thankfully i came around um, How did it feel when you woke up? Did you kind of go, oh, I'm well, still I was here? drugged up to the hilt, you know. Yeah, so. but when you did come to your senses, were you like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Patricia and the boys, the hospital phoned them and told them to come down. And they come in to 
ACU and uh, well, things were pretty rough, you know, because of the amount of drugs I was on. Things were rough. But I didn't lose my sense of humour. Hmm. I never lost my sense of humour because things are bad, so why make them worse? But, um, you know, I, I said to the boys, to Gavin and Kieran, you know, I'm not beat here. I'm not going to let this beat me. Right, if it beats me, okay, it's one. But I'm not going to let this beat me. Yeah. I am not going to let this beat me. That's the competitive nature in you too. The though. competitive nature, yeah. yeah. And um, and and I and I fully credit that to darts because I'm very competitive with darts. Yeah. You know, the guy came from a small team in Rostrever. To who did you play for in Rostrever? Probably every team in us. Oh yeah, uh, but there's for, not that many. The well, there's I, loads of bars there in was, There yeah. was in those days. Uh, the INF I played for and Sabronis GA I played for as well and, and you know and Newry in those days was a much higher competitive oh them boys are far too good league but I went to it but I played for the great Hillbillies teams of the 80s oh, right. which was McGinnity's we were all Iron Champions we were known Iron Champions we went 105 games in Newry without being beat. Wow, I wasn't here for any of that. That was the greatest team Newry ever had, was the Hillbillies. And darts was probably huge then. Darts was huge because it was a social event. Yeah. Most teams had two and three teams. McGinnity's had three. And the 80s just was a big era for it, darts. Massive. Everywhere. Massive era and like, for po- darts. like snooker. And, but I yeah. left for Starver. This is where my competitiveness comes again. Oh, them boys are much better than us. Oh, I want to go there. Right. So I... Used to get the bus up every Friday night and play in Newry. And then, of course, the non-line champion at that time was called Kieran Matthews. Right. Who sadly passed away with cancer in 1940 or <laughs> at 45 years of age. Oh, and, dear. And I married his sister. Oh. Patricia. Yeah. But I wanted. Does she to, play darts? No. But <laughs> I wanted to be with them guys. Yeah. So that was my competitiveness. So I raised the ranks in Newry. And then I watched. The guys on TV and watch guys, and I want to be them guys. I'm as good as them guys. Mm. So, I did the ludicrous thing that people say when I jumped on an airplane. My friend Paul Dillon, who's a fantastic dart player, did it as well. And Paul gave me a lot of help and a lot of. I said, "Well, if Paul can do it, I can do it." Mm. And, Don't be daft. But I did do it. You know, and and I sat with I, I can go around. Did you, how did you do it? You just got on a plane and what happened? I just joined the the BDO and I went to the British Open and I played well. Do you not have to qualify to get it? Yeah, no, not no, no. You didn't have to qualify for playing. They they start from a floor event of five six hundred players. Okay, right. And I went the Dutch Open, the German Open, and I used to do quite well in all the tournaments. And then all the players started to recognise me. The big players used to recognise me, and suddenly I become. A regular on the tour and, and and I qualified to the world masters you had to qualify for them and only server player from this country has when what year was that uh 2011 and 2012 and 2013 and you won sports person of the year here in 2011, 2011. well I was nominated for sports personality well I don't have a big massive bowl out there I don't know I've got something anyway but <laughs> um uh, a few players locally have played in the World Masters have qualified for World Masters but I made it right down to the Grand Finals right down to the last 16 and I'm back the following year did the same again brilliant and I'm just a little player from Newry mm-hmm. and, and these guys in, playing in the World Championships 
uh, two defending champions had actually beat me in the last 16 Martin Phillips beat me who was a world master and Tony West beat me who was a world master and suddenly them boys know me yeah and now I'm now I'm become known within the hierarchy of darts and I'm getting texts from guys that have my phone number you know Tony O'Shea Martin Adams Martin Adams texted me a couple of weeks ago Scott Mitchell who's former world champion contacts me quite regular and so does um uh, Dean Ben Stanley and Daryl Fitton and quite a few others. But back to the 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 illness coming out of the illness, uh, everyone says right, well he's not gonna he you know, he won't play large again because he's ill and he's old. <laughs> Now, what age are you? I'm sixty. I was sixty a couple you, well, of weeks ago. Well, you don't ago. look sixty. No, I look fifty nine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, those were two obstacles. That's like a red rag to a bull. Yes, those are two <laughs> obstacles that were put in front of me. Then, yeah, right. I'm not going to be fit enough to play darts again. And I'm not going to be fit enough to. I'm going to be too old to play darts again. And I knew I was going to be almost. I was fifty seven. Uh, the following day after my operation, so. I knew as uh, this is going to be a la- a big big ask here. There's going to be a big ask, and and even then I didn't know how I was going to, uh, medically uh develop over the follow couple of years. You know, because they told me it's going to take a long long time. I'll never get back to normal, but a long time to get any sort of normality in. So, uh, I says right. Well, this new beginning starts now. So it's a psychological. This is a psychological as well as the sporting um, journey now, which yeah. began in 2019. Yeah. So forget everything that happened before 2019 and my life started again in 2019. So... And it is like you were handed yeah. a new life, yeah. of life really, yeah. isn't it? It's like... Yeah, well, a few days into ICU, the physiotherapist came around and obviously I had 23 tubes coming out of my body and... Each of them held me either side of my shoulders because I was unable to walk on my own, obviously, for weeks. And they said, well, we want you to walk uh, three metres and back again. And then tomorrow we'll do five metres and back again. And we need to do this because, you know, for your... Uh, uh, I suppose getting everything built up and yes, moving again. Yes, yeah. we need to get your, your movement and we need to get your circulation going. And I refused. I says, no, I'm not walking three metres. And she says, oh, you you have to walk three metres because if you don't, I'll get... A, my boss would go mad, blah, blah, blah. So, no, I'm refusing to walk three metres. And the other helper says, you really have to walk three metres, Martin. I says, no, I'll walk six or none. Oh. And she says, no, six is too many. She says, no, it's not. Six is not too many. She says, I'll do six metres and back. And uh, I did the six metres to come back. And the following day... And how day, difficult was that? I did, oh, well, it was, it was, they linked me. All I moved was my legs and they took most of my weight. Yeah, but they didn't think you were going to be able to do it. So no, you must have... Been, I did it. It must have been really difficult. Oh, was, when I got back into... It took me 45 minutes to get out of the bed. Helped out of the bed because I had so many tubes. Yeah. And it took me 45 minutes to get back in. So it took me an hour and a half to get in and out of bed to walk 10 foot. God. But I did it. You did it, and yeah. the next day I walked one metre more and one and by the end of the week I had walked the whole length of the corridor. That's amazing. And I wouldn't give up and I wouldn't give up and um Do you think it takes a certain kind of person? 
No, no, we all have that. It's just a f- case of finding it. Then we need to find it. We yeah. we all you know we are all God. We are all bitter. We all have to, you know, if we just realize that. Get ready to shake up summer with the Get Active ABC Sunshine Fill Program for kids and families. Get set for land-based adventure at our summer schemes, or why not get adventurous and maybe get wet at our Splashtastic Water Sports Summer Program. There are so many things to do, and all we need is you. See getactiveabc.com summer for all the details. A Division 4 dart player in Uri. His ambition is to win the Division 4 title, singles title. And a Division, a Premier League player, who his ambition is to win the Premier League title. So the guy in Division 4 practices as all the best he can, and for him, at his level, he's happy, and he's doing well, and he wins the Division 4 title. And the guy is in the Premier League, he practices hard, and he does all he can do, and he wins the Premier League title. The guy that wins the Premier League title is no more happier than the guy that won the Division 4 title because mm. he has done what he wanted to do. He's on the same level as the boy. He mightn't be in the same league or the same standard. Yeah. But on his level, that's what he wanted. And he's achieved it. So the guy in the top level has achieved what he wanted to do. So both are equally happy even though they're unequally matched. Yeah. So it's about happiness. And it's about how you approach things. As Wayne Dyer, I don't know if you ever tell Wayne Dyer, Wayne Dyer always says, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right. So we'll put this into another perspective as a team event. In 2010, Donegal football team could not win a game of football. They couldn't win a game of football for loving their money. And Jim McGuinness had been interviewed for several years before to take over the Donegal team and they turned him down. So in 2011... To give the job to Jim McGuinness simply because no one else wanted the job. It sounds like down. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like down at the minute. I can nearly get on the down team now. No, I couldn't. Yeah, you have to at the same at the same time as that you have to set your limitations. Yeah. There's no use me coming out of where I've come from and like people look you look at me now and say I'm fit and strong. Yeah, and you do. I'm You're not fantastic. No, Maybe. but all my problems were inside. Yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. eat properly. I can't drink properly. I can't. Yes. I have to be very. If I wash the car, I have to lay down for an hour. If I cut the grass, I lay down for an hour. If I play darts for an hour, I lay down for an hour. You know, yeah. I, and with every major illness, there comes a free illness that's thrown in. It's called depression. Right. And you're battling that all the time. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. And that's very difficult. Yeah. Everyone that has an illness of any kind or a major illness will always have depression. That's a side event. I call because that because especially if it's when your mind, yeah, your mind is is able, but your yeah. body is not. That's right. So yeah. that's a big thing with me. Yeah. Like uh, Patricia would nearly had to stop me to sit here all the time. You know, you, don't be doing. You know, if I cut the grass, I'm going to wash the car now. If you wash the car now, you know tonight you're going to be right. And I take hypoglycemia attacks now, and that's not because I'm diabetic because the way my insides are all moved about yeah. and my body thinks sometimes I'm overloading on sugar and I'm not and then the insulin comes out and take, and then I go into a hypoglycemia attack okay. but back Jimmy McGuinness got the job as Donegal manager who were probably the worst team they were the worst team in Ulster at the time the most defensive team in Ulster that's for sure at the time yeah yeah, 
In 2012, they won the All-Ireland. Yeah. Now, they won the All-Ireland with the same team, with the same players, against the same teams, on the same pitches, in the same county, on the same Ireland. What did Jimmy McGuinness do to them players? He gave them belief. It's like a coup. No, it's not like a coup, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Okay. <laughs> well, it could be, but he gave them the belief that never was installed in them. He gave them, this is what I have now, the belief. This is where, back to at the start of our conversation, I said the two main words is belief and fear. So he gave them the belief that they were the best team in Ulster and the belief that they're the best team in Ireland. And they played like they were the best team in Ulster and they won the Ulster title and they were the best team in Ireland and they won the All-Ireland. Yeah. So if you come over to Kilku. Well, I was thinking of Mickey Moore and what he did with them because they... It happened long before Mickey Moore. But they were knocking at the door. They were knocking at... They they, had the belief. But he really... Like, they talk about him as if he's God. Have you ever read any interviews? Yes, I do. You read them all. Well, for me, Jim McCurry took over Kilku. Yeah. And he gave them something that I think... They had the belief. Yeah. But they were afraid of the... They were afraid of Bourne. They were afraid of uh, what other teams were, were, were... And I think they had the belief, but they had the, They were smaller. They're they're a smaller team than most other football teams. Mm. They was, are. They are. They are small, but, this, but they still had the belief that they could do things. Yeah. But they feared the big, strong Bourne men. They feared the big, strong uh, Lachlan Island men or whatever it was. But I think between... The managers that took them over in latter years, Jim McCurry and Mickey Moran, have took that. They have no fear now. They have no fear of no one. Yeah. And they've they've won multiple downs, and now they've won an All Ireland. Yeah. Because they, they didn't fear the team they played in the All Ireland. The team they played in the All Ireland, from my point of view, were a much better team. Mm. But Cuckoo had no fear. Yeah. And they beat them. So. So as you were saying at the very start, where I'm it's coming fear from, and it's belief, belief and, fear. and fear. There you're back yeah. to that, those two things. I, d- I didn't fear. Is that a Buddhist thing well, or a, is that just is your... It, well, it's a bit of both. But if you believe, I don't fear death. I didn't fear death because uh, when I went into hospital, there was no use for me fearing death because it's going to come anyway. And you can only hope that it's not going to come that way, that we're all going to live a natural and normal Life, and we're going to die a natural and normal death if there's such a thing. Because we're all going to die. But un- yeah. that's the only thing we're guaranteed. But unfortunately, some people have tragedies and illnesses and all that there. But it's it's in the sporting terms, and in life terms, it you gotta believe and you gotta have no fear. And if you have those two main psychological threats, then you have a lot going for you. Yeah. So I say to my boys. That was my approach. And the approach of also the Division 4 player and the Division 1 player. You've got to set your standard. And if you're happy with that standard, you're happy. The Division 4 player won, won a singles and he's delighted. And the Premier League player won a singles and he's delighted. Both are on the same level of happiness. But both are not on the same level of um, competitiveness. Yeah. Or not competitive uh, skill. Now, if we go... If you take in the main sportsman in the world Rory McIlroy mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy is one of the best dart player or 
golf best players. golfers in the world. He could be a good dart player he too. Be a good dart player. He probably would be actually now. You think? Of it. Yes. <laughs> now, if he's one of the best dart uh, golf players in the world, why does he need a main coach? I don't know. Because he it's fears. in the main. Well, it's a, this is a new thing, a relatively new thing. It's a relatively new it thing. It was brought in in snooker. I remember like a lot yeah. of, and, got, it, and it tends to be, like as in darts, it tends to be sport individual sports where people are wrestling with their mind and you're sitting there and you're waiting for that other guy yeah. to finish and you're getting up there. You're not playing against somebody as yeah. such. You're playing, yeah. you're playing against somebody, but you're playing against yourself. But it's that, no. See, if Roy McElroy goes out and does a bad round of golf well whatever his mistakes are play on his mind and it's that's a natural uh, thing it's the same as me if I go out and practice darts and play bad right how do we get around this but back in 2014 I took on a main coach as well when I joined the PDC and He's called a shirt hypnotherapy, Stephen McKimmon. And a lot of main a lot of main dart players, specifically dart players, but a lot of sports people go to him. But What's his name again? Stephen McKibben. Right. But Stephen's I was on the phone to him when you come through the door. Right. He phones me. Now you've become great friends. But when I became ill, Stephen is not only a sports psychologist, he's a psychologist. But he, he his main thing is sports, but he's a psychologist. So Stephen says, Right let's we'll approach this in a health term so he he's he supports me psychologically in health but now he's now he's doing both psychologically in darts or in sport it's not specifically darts and he's you know if i have a body for well you don't and i i have went to Stephen and done a few uh sessions with him and he's very very good but i think we all those of us that don't uh that are not very up there need someone to tap you on the shoulder and see that tap on the shoulder and surround yourself with people that are good and people that know what you're talking about and people that help you in your walk of life if you surround yourself with those type of people then you can benefit from them I have Stephen phones me all the time now anyway even like just as a friend he phones me yeah. but that's Rory McIlroy is the same and, and all the other golfers and all the other snooker players are the same they need they have it, but they just need someone to turn the top on. Yeah. To tell them, this is what is missing. So when I come out of uh, hospital, I was fed through a tube here and couldn't move for months. I was fed through a tube for three months. And um, this room, if you had to come into this room, Elaine, there was masses of boxes here and boxes over there and there was a big stand over there with a tube going down and it had to go into my into my uh, um, intestine and I had things here and all and my family become doctors and nurses was it very sore? yeah it wasn't it was sore yeah Yeah. but I lost five stone in weight so that so I'm saying my darts is going to be completely different now because my muscle is all waste and things are different so after about six months or maybe five months I say to the guys well I'll go out and try darts here and Stephen was always in contact with me um, and for the first month I could not throw a dart over the bullseye but like you out there yeah that's where my darts <laughs> were going I couldn't 
I couldn't. And that went on for, but I could only throw six darts. And then two days later, I'd throw six darts. And then two days later, I'd throw six darts. None of them went above the bullseye. Yeah. And that's only two and a half years ago. None of them went above the bullseye. And uh, that must have been very frustrating. Yes, but we have to learn. And there's another great word that you put in between uh, belief and fear is acceptance. Mm. So if you put them three belief, acceptance, and fear in a lane, if you do all those three things, then you're on a path that's going to be enlightened to you. Mm. So obviously he says well if darts is not going to happen that's not the worst thing in the world I'm still alive mm. but I am but, gonna, you, but I am going to play darts exactly you weren't accepting that no, you weren't going to play accepting darts it. I accepted that it was you Ill. accepted that you couldn't play it that day yeah no I and I say as well if, if it I will give it my best shot and if it's not going to happen it's just not going to happen mm. and then I'll accept it mm. but I won't accept it until I've exhausted every avenue yeah so Mindfully, I was pretty aware. And within six weeks, I was hitting hundreds and hundred and forties. And within another two months, on the the week before Christmas, twenty nineteen, and I had my operations in April twenty nineteen, and I only got all my tubes removed in. July 2019, I won a dart tournament with 70 dart players on it. Wow. And I was only seven, I was only like eight months out of recovery. That's amazing. But I was still, and I was being sick in the middle of it. I was, you know, I was being sick outside. I played a tournament with Bellini's actually, and uh, I was sick in the bathroom. And you know, the guys were coming to the bathroom and saying, Yeah, you're crazy. But I know I'm crazy. I love darts. Yeah. I love darts. I love playing darts. Yeah. You know, and uh, I love the competitiveness. So this competitiveness comes into my uh, belief, acceptance and fear. It comes into my threshold. And um, you know, now I lost a, turn- a final of a tournament last week. And it was a fairly good tournament. Uh, a friend of mine, Alan, won it. He's an international dart player. But you were in the final. Yes, but Alan's an international dart player and he had to play at his top to beat me. So I got great satisfaction out of that. Yeah. You know, I, I well, here I am. There's so many dart players here and I'm, there's two of us in the final. Alan McKnight, who's a good friend of mine, and me. And that says a lot for me. And I still have... And you won. What did you win? No, I lost. No, but final. you won something... Uh, well, I won the Bond Bridge the and Bambridge. just the league singles. Yeah. Well, Alan does not as well, but I won it. That's an entire league singles. I won it. Against the... People said... Martin Carver's winning, he's winning league singles and he's winning, why is he winning, that man should be dead. No, he shouldn't be dead. If you think I should be dead, that's okay. And it's like players come up to me way back in the, in the 90s and saying, uh, and their mates used to come to me as back in the drinking days and, they, and you'd be in the pub after the game and a few maybe beers taking too many and say, oh, so-and-so's a far better dark player than you. And I would say, right, that's okay. Nobody is a far better dart player. You want to have seen him last night. He was brilliant. He hit this and he hit that and he hit that. I said, that's okay. But when I was standing in Germany, I was looking around. And I said, where is this guy that's hitting everything in Uri? Uh. I don't see him. You know, <laughs> I would go to the World Masters. Well, there's a guy in Uri. Apparently, two guys or ten guys in Uri 
better than I. But where are they? Exactly. When I go to play darts in Belfast, where are they? They're not in Belfast. They're in Newry. So it's okay. If, if they want to be, if they think they're the best player in Newry, that's okay. Yeah. But everybody else knows who the best player in Newry is. And I'm not saying it's me. <laughs> but I'm saying at that time, different yeah. players are different are best players in Newry at the time. Everybody will say, well, we know who the best players in Newry It'll be so-and-so or so-and-so or so-and-so and maybe Martin some stage or whatever. And that's where I want to go back. You know, but you have to be mindful and self-realisation and, you know, you, you, you've got to have all that there. It's like Donegal and it's like, it's like Kirkou. You know, mm. Donegal had the belief to win an All-Ireland and Kirkou had no fear of anyone yeah. to win an All-Ireland. And I have no fear of death um, and I have the belief that I will play darts as long as my health stays out. Uh, stays healthy you know still improves um, well I am playing top level again yeah you know my, my I, I, I'm coaching a guy now at the moment and he's he marvels at my practice he has never beat me yet and he's a good player and, and he will be even better and uh, um, and what league are you playing in now you're playing Banbridge I play in Banbridge last year I played in the Newry Area Dart League because yeah. the Newry League uh suspended because of COVID yeah and then it didn't start up for a while Boyd pulled out early because of my illness because of COVID and because of a few other players I went to the Newry Area Dart League and the reception I got in it was unbelievable they treated me like as if I was out of Bristol right. in every game and I was played so well all year and, and it's a fantastic wee league and it doesn't get the credit that it deserves and I really enjoyed it we actually won the league title and we won the cup and we won the everything there was on what was your team there uh nummies nummies billy nummies a janet man of newry darts has been for over 60 years janet man janet man and um in bridge my team in bridge won the league what's your team in bridge called um red star uh we won the league we won the cup we won the nugget cup won the three aside and i won the singles and my teammates and my teammates won the doubles and uh I play in Dundalk as well with the um, the Avenue Bar. I have so many teams to play for. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I play with the Avenue Bar in Dundalk and we're a very strong team this year coming in, you know. And in Newry District Dart League, I, I don't know where I'm going to play this year. Well, it's Newry District Dart League and Newry Area Dart League. Yeah. But, um, but you're a, going to be playing. There's a bit of a rampage for my signature at the moment, so it's oh, a good yeah. sign. That's, that's always good, isn't it? But uh, uh, Stephen thinks... And I think, and Joanne thinks, and Patricia thinks, and, and a few of my friends think that I'm ready now. I was unable to travel up until probably about a month ago. I mean, our, our travel. Yeah. I was unable to travel. But, uh, you know, my, my coaches and that think, or those that, you know, say that, that they'd give me uh, confidence, think I'm ready now to, to, to play abroad again. So you're going to go over to England or somewhere? Well, I'm 60 now. Yeah. Now, 60 means nothing to me. You know, it means nothing to me. And that's another hurdle that's been put in front of me. The illness is put in front of me. And, I've, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, and it's always going to be there because my body's completely different now. And I, I, I need to be extremely careful. I, I could eat the wrong thing and that could make me a bugger. Um, but now the, the age thing's there. So I'm going to say now, now I have a time of so many years, say five years. So now, right, that's it. I want to do this within that five years. Mm. I'm going to do it. 
the big the big stumbling block is sponsorship and I don't know why locally businesses don't sponsor like dart guys are doing the world tours or, or you know Paul had this problem as well sponsorship like I see local companies sponsoring rally cars at tens of thousands for one rally mm. yet a fraction of that would do me for an entire year yeah. I don't drink I don't smoke do you I have, to, have you tried to, co- to court any of them or to get people to come on board with sponsorship no well I haven't been fit enough to go about but I think uh, everyone's indicating to me it's time you started knocking doors and asking people look will they give you something just to help you on the road sponsorship is a, is a big stumbling block yet it takes so little to sponsor me yeah you know uh, as an individual it's mm. not it's not a like I, there's, there's businessmen sponsoring football teams out there for that enough would keep me going for a year and there's businessmen sponsoring rally cars and stuff we got there like I, I, I spoke to a Hoddage guy one year uh, very well known Hoddage guy and we weren't speaking of a sponsorship and I says for the price of the tyres and one of your lorries would sponsor me for two years well there you go but he didn't sponsor me you know but he's but he sponsored a rally car for like something like fifty five thousand pounds. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, it seems I, I, ridiculous, I, doesn't it? Like, I'm not saying I'd be photographed more than any other dart players, but I would have badges on my shorts at all the mm. time, and and I would put a, a sticker on the car, and I would do anything that they want. Well, if I'm going to do the tour again, the people say, "Oh, you 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 think you'll make it?" I'm retired. Unfortunately, I had to retire because my illness doesn't allow me to work. I'm not fit enough to work. Yeah. So I can practice a wee bit, probably more, without, you know, than I would have if I was working. Because mm. I used to have two jobs all my life. and So I wouldn't say more, but probably more intense. So I do believe, and I spoke to world champions about this not too long ago, they said, you know, if you're playing those sort of darts, there's no reason why you can't. And I've watched, like my friend there, I'm very good friends with Neil Duff from Ballyclare. Mm. And I've had ding dong games with him over the last 18 months. Neil Duff become world champion last month. Right. He is the WDF world champion. He won it on BBC TV. And he's now currently the champion of the world. Wow. And you and, and I have you're up there with him. Well, I would say I'm not on Neil's level at the moment. But uh, Neil speaks very highly of me and I'm glad that he does. Uh, you know, he actually sp- spoke about me in an interview there somewhere. You know, that I was a trailblazer for, for darts in Northern Ireland. And I like that because, you know, I'm not the only... I represent Newry darts whenever I go away. And I would rap- represent the Newry and District Dart League and the Newry Area Dart League. Yeah. You know, and... I represent Newry Council as a whole, you know, Charlie Casey and, you know, uh, um, all the councillors that I know very well and, and, the, and the sponsor. I took the Northern Ireland Open into Newry in 2010. Yeah. I was I was the man that that got the Open into Newry. Now it's, it's probably going to leave Newry soon, but it, it's it all the big stars came to Newry all the time. Yeah. You know, that's about building the game locally and and what i do in darts is represent everyone else and now my attitude is the same as those in the final last week well i got to the final 
but I know that's only a stepping stone for me. Mm. And I, I know I'm 60 years old there a couple of weeks ago and I know if I had a decent sponsor, I could really do damage before I decide, right, I'm not going to travel anymore, I'm just going to play darts in Newry. But you read this is a something you really want to do. But this has not hurt me. And this, and this all comes manifests from when I was 2016 when I stopped drinking I wanted to battle the hurdle of non-drink then I was diagnosed I wanted to battle the battle of staying alive when I stay alive I want to do something important in my life and if people phone me up and say look I've been diagnosed with cancer and you've had tumours and you've had cancerous tumours and you've had removal of parts of your body how did you approach it if, if I can give that person a little bit of help or a little bit of belief that's 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 made your day mm. that's what importance is about when the doctor told me look you have a massive tumour Patricia was with me you have a massive tumour in your esophagus and there's nothing we can do we'll have to send you to the city hospital and I don't know if they can do anything now if they hadn't been able to operate I probably only had about He'd say it probably only about seven months to live. But I never panicked. I went to my work the next day. God. And I never panicked. That's amazing. Yeah. I, n- I never panicked. Yeah. Because what was the point in panic? Mm. And I was painting that fence the day before I went in the hospital. Mm. Well, but you were very lucky that you had that belief system already. Yeah, but we all, it's, it's, a, it's a bit like the cuckoo and a bit like the dart player in Division 4. And, and, and not only that... It's the happiness you take out of it. Mm. Like the dart player in Division 4 is overjoyed because he won Division 4. Yeah. And the dart player in the Premier League is overjoyed because he won. So both of them are on the same level of happiness, but they're on a different level of skill. Yeah. But they're both happy. Yeah. So that's the important thing. Now, I, I like the board starts singing here at 4 o'clock in the morning. And people wake up and say, oh, them bloody boards woke me at 4 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't get back to sleep. When I hear the boards at four o'clock in the morning, it's not fantastic. Mm. And yeah. then I fall asleep again. Or, or I have a lot of difficulty sleeping. So it's the way you look at things. I have it. Change the way you look at things and things you look at change. It's what we in Yes. You know, so it's the way you look at things. I, I try to instill I that. I need to go home now. And, and Gavin to, and Karen. Um, keep that in mind when I'm about to give out to my children about something or other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll give you a wee thing to do. If you go up to... Uh, you, I'll give you a wee demonstration of how the mind works mm. before you go away. don't need the microphone for it. That's if I have two straws. Uh, if if you go up to pay your shopping and you smile and say something nice to the, to the girl in the till, that could make her day. Oh, I do believe absolutely. Yeah. In those little things. Yeah. One word might change the world, but it might change the world for that girl. Yeah. You know? Martin actually left the room at that stage and came back uh, with two straws and showed me a trick that involved moving um, two pieces of metal within the straws uh, with your just your mind and it actually did work. But hopefully um, Martin's words have helped somebody out there um, through cancer. And in terms of darts, it's hopefully onwards and upwards for Martin and um, any potential sponsors out there, take note. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast.
from the I don't know what to say. I'm just speechless. To the We see all sorts of life-changing moments at McKinney competitions. How would you react? Cars, houses, tech bundles and more from just £2 a ticket. No purchase necessary. For competitions, rules and conditions, see McKinneyCompetitions.com.